Second half action here on Main Street Sports today. This Friday edition will be joined by Mike Dettelier of NFL Draft Experts talking about the upcoming draft, what he thinks. Also, a little Braves conversation as opening day yesterday. Lost to the Reds. They will not go undefeated. We will talk about the Braves coming up. Let's send you back now to the Hall of Famer, Mo Patton, and the Sundrop Kid from Alabama, who will be at that series this weekend. Chris Yow. That's correct. I will be in the building on Sunday, so looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic night. So, as Braves will not go undefeated. That's right. They will not. They can, however, go 161-1. They could, there you go. indeed, at this point. Um, Mo, before we get started, why don't you tell us about one of my favorite historical facts <laughs> as it pertains to the Atlanta Braves on today in Braves history. Today in Braves history, um, April 8th, and I'm not sure that anything in Braves history happened on April 8th other than this. I couldn't tell you. Nah, I'm as long as we do today in Braves history, this will be the April 8th note. So, uh, with his fourth inning home run off Dodgers starter Al Downing, Hank Aaron became the all-time leader with 715 for his career, surpassing Babe Ruth. Darrell Evans scored on the homer into the left field bullpen at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium as the host Braves tied that game at 3-3 and went on to score four runs in that inning and win the game 7-4. Yeah, and as we have mentioned on this show multiple times, uh, of course, at Tom House. Caught the ball in the bullpen. For, for catching, giving a shout-out to the man, the, the not only the best bullpen uh, home run catcher in the history of time, but one of the best Twitter accounts. One, one of the better follows on Twitter. <laughs> so At Tom House? Is that what it is? At Tom House. Uh, Keeping it simple. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention him on Twitter when I threw that out there, but he's awesome. If you're not following Tom House, make sure to do so. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite uh, memories as far as April 8th is concerned. I don't know. There may be other things that have happened, I'd, but I, I mean. I can't imagine what they were. I was... um. Just short of my 10th birthday, I remember sitting at the kitchen table watching it on about a black and white portable TV about so big. I don't know what the measurements were, but um, pretty pretty indelible memory for me. So, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> significantly more indelible than, than last night. Yeah, you know, and again, I, and I said this on Twitter one, I haven't I haven't had a chance to look up the ump scorecard today, but I can't imagine that it was uh positive in the favor of the Braves, which it rarely is, uh, to be honest with you. But I, I found here we go. <laughs> only point two one uh runs for Cincinnati, but eighty eight percent accuracy, eighty eight percent consistency. 83% called strike accuracy. 83? 83% of strikes were called correctly. And it felt That's like almost... That's not a good number, is it? No, no. The average is like 
is 88. Okay. Um, and you follow that a lot more closely than I do, so I didn't know what was a good or acceptable or reasonable number there, but I didn't think 83 was. This is bad. I mean, it, <laughs> and, and if you watched the game last night, you're just like, my goodness, this, this guy's calling balls, you know, three, four inches off the plate strikes when Atlanta's hitting, and then balls that are actually strikes on the outside corner were being called balls when Atlanta was pitching. Well, you, you, you texted me that as I was making my way back to town. Um, it was insane. Yesterday, and I, I, I was listening to Ben Ingram and, and Joe Simpson, which is, and I never thought I'd say this, but which is a treat in and of itself. But, you know, I could not see the strike zone or what was being called. So, well, did not know. It, it was not good, period. And so, nonetheless, it's, a, it, it, it's washed, it's over. Yeah. Unlucky game. Max, Max Freed actually pitched really well, mm-hmm. but the, the Reds did exactly what they tell you to do. Hit them where they ain't. They did. And made some pretty soft contact on some balls successfully. And so, Meanwhile, the Braves, as I tw- uh, tweeted, stung a lot of balls last night. 113 mile an hour ground ball that ended an inning, by the way. Um, Matt Olson hit one about 110. It was 113. That's the one I'm talking into about. Into the shift. Into the into India, who was playing shallow right yeah, field. Yeah, playing rover yeah. out there. Yeah. It, it was it was a rough night for the Braves. You know, guy who's only give, who gave up three home runs total last year gives up one of the first battery faces. Freed couldn't get in, you know, couldn't get anybody to hit right at anybody track power for the Braves all mm-hmm. night it just everything that could go wrong for Atlanta last night did that's okay but they got it out of the way they're gonna win the next 161 it's out of the way it doesn't matter they play again tonight it will be um on Valley Revere right? San Martin San Martin Revere San Martin and Charlie Morton on the bump for the Braves so we try again see what yeah. happens when we come back, we will talk to Mike Dettelier of the um, – he's a WWL uh, – something like that. Wuln. Uh, WWLAMFM. So come back with us. He'll tell us all about who the Titans are going to pick on the other side of the break. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ed Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao alongside Mo Patton and J.P. Plant on the controls. Glad to have you with us here on this Friday edition as we are getting you ready for the weekend ahead in sports as a lot of of great stuff going on, and I'm looking forward to it. One of the things that will not be going on this weekend but is coming up momentarily, just, just around the corner, it feels like, is the National Football League's annual amateur draft and just our luck jp uh mo here has some friends in the biz he's got one or two and and we are so glad that he does because we get a chance to talk to nfl draft expert mike detillier now and mike how are things down in the bayou I'm doing great. Hey, nice weather. It's windy today, but uh, yeah, it's uh, doing good. Doing good. Mike, we really appreciate you taking some time with us this afternoon. Um, talk a little draft. Um, round one of this year's NFL draft will take place on Thursday, April 28th, followed by rounds two and three on Friday. Finishes up with rounds four through seven on Saturday. Obviously, the biggest concern here locally is at number 26, which is where the Tennessee Titans draft. But um, before that, obviously, <laughs> obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one pick, the Lions two, Houston three. Uh, Mike, is there a clear-cut number one in this draft? Um, for me, it is in Devin Neal, offensive tackle from um, Alabama. Now, again, that's just my opinion of it. He edges out Aiden Hutchinson on my board uh, to be the top guy. Um, his guys played three positions at Alabama and um, could, you know, project either to a uh, right tackle, left tackle, or left guard in the pros. If I'm Jacksonville and I'm smart, when you can't put that, those two things together, uh, Jacksonville and being smart. No, you cannot. But <laughs> uh, 
you know, I, I got I got a lot invested in, in Trevor Lawrence. I, I got to protect him. And, you know, again, when you got a big-time quarterback, you better get him weapons and you better be able to keep him upright. And they've had difficult times with that. So uh, we've talked to different people, and you know, and, and being on WWL, uh, that feel is sort of a mixed bag that maybe the Jags are leaning toward Aiden Hutchinson. But, you know, for me, it would be Evan Neal from Alabama. I just think he's – I think he's the best player in this draft, and he gives you opportunities here to protect uh, your most prized investment in Trevor Lawrence. The Detroit Lions probably would not be sad – I was just about to say that. Evan yeah. Neal was to go number one so that they could take Aiden Hutchinson from right there in their backyard over at Ann Arbor. So, I mean, I would think either yeah, of those plays out well for Detroit. Coach Campbell was here for a number of years as tight end coach with the Saints, and uh, he's he's a real character. Um, and uh, man, listen, he's a tough guy, and and I think Aiden Hutchinson would really fit really well with Detroit. And and you know, you look at the Lions; they need help all across the board. It's not just in one spot, but I think Hutchinson would be a really good fit uh, for them. Uh, the wild card is Trevon Walker from Georgia. And, uh, you know, if if Hutch gets picked, you know, first, uh, man, I, I wouldn't rule that out with, with Walker. I really wouldn't. Um, that, you know, I, I think there are some concerns about Kayvon Thibodeau mm-hmm. enough that uh, Detroit's going to take a long look around, you know, if, if Hutchinson goes with the top pick. Certainly interesting thoughts there. You know, when we talked about the overall number one, which we, you know, us Titan fans haven't had to worry about, you know, in a while. So, but seriously, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting how in the last couple of years it's been an obvious pick, and this year it's not. So, I'm, I, 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 that's one of the 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 dramatic things. You know, normally it's just like, why are we taking fifteen minutes to make this pick when you've had six months? Well. Now there's a reason to maybe take a little bit extra time. So, interesting. Yeah. Um, Mike, we had the voice of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Keith, on with us earlier in this show. And we we asked him for something to ask you because clearly he knows more about this than we do. Maybe not as much as you do. But, um, hey, Mike, how do you see quarterbacks going in the first 15? Well, I, I see Kenny Pickett going to uh, Carolina and Malik Willis going to Atlanta. Not that either one are graded as top 10 picks, but, um, you know, I work with a couple quarterbacks um, year-round, so to speak, and they all they both got a saying about quarterback trumps every position, and they're and they about right. And when you look at it in the NFL, they probably got a dozen teams in the NFL looking to upgrade their quarterback spot. And that's just not enough. And you look at Carolina and the connection there. Um, Matt Rule recruited Kenny Pickett out of high school, and he was a commitment to Temple when Matt was there. Wow. Matt moves on, goes to Baylor, and Kenny decides to go to Pitt. 
Good and I think that there's a natural connection there, and there's a big hole at quarterback at Carolina. Matt Rule knows a lot about Kenny Pickett and how good of a player he is. With Atlanta, there's an obvious hole at quarterback now that you've traded off Matt Ryan, and you got Marcus Mariota, but he's not the future of that team. Malik Willis is not quite ready for prime time yet, but he is physically gifted, uh, great arm, built like a linebacker, and a great, tremendous leader, very smart young man. He's got some erratic play in him, so you know he's not ready to be thrown in right away. But I think in time, he ended up being a pretty doggone good football player for Atlanta if they pick him. So I see both Pickett and Willis going in the top 10. The big question mark for me is where the third quarterback goes. Uh, Because, you know, it has a lot of mixed opinion on Matt Corral from Ole Miss, on Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. and. I really feel pretty strong that those two quarterbacks will go in the top 10. Felt that back in January, feel that back today. But always question where the third quarterback would go and and how far down he would end up going before being selected. Because I think both of them selected pretty close together. Does Seattle not go quarterback at nine? I, I really don't know. Uh, I think if one of those two guys were available, they might. But uh, Pete Pete's not going to press the issue here uh, for a quarterback. I, I do know, though, it wouldn't surprise me to see Seattle in some kind of deal get back into round one if they had an opportunity to pick Matt Corral. And here's the question. Uh, when Pete was at USC, his wide receiver coach was Lane Kiffin. And, and you know, who coached Matt Corral at Ole Miss is Lane Kiffin. We had uh, Coach O on with us um, last week on WWL, and I asked Coach, hey, you, you're picking in round one and Matt Corral's in the 20s. You pick him, and he said, you better believe it. And I know just how close Coach O and Pete Carroll are. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Seattle jump back in in some kind of deal. They had a shot with Matt Corral because of the connection to Lane Kiffin, who got coached, uh, you know, basically Coach Corral and, and by Coach O, who had to play against him for a couple of years. Speaking with Mike Dettelier, NFL draft analyst, at Mike Dettelier on Twitter here on Main Street Sports today. You know, I'm in, I'm curious, Mo, about that particular aspect because a lot of folks were saying that the Titans might be in on Matt Corral at 26, but Mike Keith said if they could maybe deal 26 to get a second round or another couple of picks. I wonder if Seattle might be that team that deals with them at 26 to get Corral. And that could be some interesting moves there. I, I would be interested. You to might see have that. a bingo there. You <coughs> might have something there, but I, I do think 
Seattle because of connect. And listen, this world is all about connection. Mm-hmm. Now, people don't like to admit that, but it's true. A lot of people get jobs because of connections. A lot of people get picked because, you know, they coach somebody and you were on that staff at one time. So that's not out of the ordinary uh, for that to happen. And uh, I've, I've been impressed with Matt. I haven't watched him. He came to Manning camp and uh, I got to be around that and, and see how he handled himself and, and the group and, I was impressed with him, uh, to be honest with you. And when they gave off his size, surprised me even bigger because uh, I didn't think he was that big. And he certainly wasn't over 200 pounds when I saw him back in July. Though, again, that summer heat in, in Louisiana can take its toll on you. <laughs> maybe, maybe it just soaked out of him. There you go. Um, Mike, should the Titans hold on to that number 26 pick and, and execute that pick? What are your thoughts about where they might go there? I think, you know, a lot of times when you're picking that late, because it's similar, you know, we've done this so many years with the Saints and they had picked in that mid-20s category. The kind of, the draft falls to you. You don't fall to the draft. And when I look at it, I I could see a player like Kenyon Green, uh, who played some tackle at A&M, but really is a guard or Tyler Lindenbaum, uh, the center from Iowa, being there when you select. That's going to be a player that's going to fall for whatever reasons uh, to you. Sometimes it's, you know, teams pick needs. They, they can talk about best player on the board, but we all know that's a bunch of horse hockey. <laughs> it, it has a lot to do with them trying to fill a need. You know, you – so – it wouldn't surprise me one of those interior offensive linemen are still there when the Titans pick. Uh, the other player that's interesting for me is George Pickens, mm-hmm. uh, the yes. wide receiver from University of Georgia. <laughs> I saw him play as a high school kid. He came to one of our camps here in Louisiana, our pitch and catch camp. Um, I saw him play live, Mike. He's a heck of a ball player. I saw him play live a couple of times, a heck of a ball player at Hoover High School. Yeah, man, and can he motor? And and he's a big receiver. He can get down, you know, and and run the chalk for you. And um, after the catch, he's dangerous. Now, we didn't see a lot of him last year because he had the knee injury. But, uh, my goodness, uh, he is very talented. And he may be in that number. And listen, the Titans, they, they pick people with coming off of injuries. I was about to, hey, that's, that's what we want to see. We, that's like a prerequisite. It's to be hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and something and else about Pickens that works is he he's not afraid to get dirty in the run game either. He and fits. the Tennessee Titans like receivers that will block downfield. And he fits that mold. Yeah, you know, you bring that up. It's a good point. Um, this morning I was talking to Pete Jenkins, longtime defensive line coach, and he's just finishing up working with the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, kind of helping out. He does that, goes to Georgia and Alabama and Kentucky every year. And, um, we were talking about Pickens, and he said, I heard what you said about him. And he said, Mike, I agree. He's a tough guy. And he said, he really can block extremely well. And he said, it's, it's a gift. A lot of guys don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Guys, 
hey, just throw me the ball. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But he said, you watch Pickens. Uh, you know, he's he's going to be aggressive as a, a blocker. And uh, he said, listen, if you play in that Georgia, you better learn how to block because <laughs> you're not going to be playing much. If you don't. Uh, you abs- know, that's abs- not a play. So, and you think about all that talent they were able to accumulate. And so, but uh, I think Pickens is a wild card here. Very similar to, I think, as a top 20 pick, uh, Jamison Williams is. Because had he not gotten hurt in the national championship game, he would have been a top 10 pick. He'd have been the top receiver on everyone's board and been selected before you got to 11. Now he's in that 11 to 20 range where you look back and how the Titans selected Jeffrey Simmons, who would have been probably a top five or six pick the year he came out. But he lasted because of the knee injury. Uh, you see, you know, what it's less than two months for w- Williams. And, man, they posting videos. Man, he's, he's doing high runs and lifting up his knees and run. You know, I mean, it's amazing. that People ask me, you know, I've done this 36 years. Was the biggest change? And I said, modern medicine. You know, you look at guys that have knee injuries or Achilles injury. And, man, that, that was something that potentially could end your career. Right or keep you out a full year. Today, those guys are back, you know, six to seven months afterwards. That's amazing to me uh, how that's done. And again, the modern medicine part is the biggest change I've seen in, in pro football, college football, you know, in the, in the last 36 years, how quickly these young men can come back from the surgery. Man, I, I'm telling you, it's. It, it, this draft is kind of wide open and it's one of the more wide open drafts that we've seen in the last several years. So I think there's a lot of drama that's going to lead up to the night of the draft and it's going to play out throughout the entirety of that first night and probably through day two. So, you know, Mike, give us, give us one thing. One, one guy who is, is kind of, Maybe that second day guy for everybody else that you think sneaks into the first round. Maybe like a uh, who was the guy uh, Noah Noah Igbenogany from Miami a couple years ago who nobody saw coming in the first round. Do you have one of those guys? Today, that's a real difficult one because everybody knows everybody. Sure, um, you know uh, as far as people talk about because a lot of times, like with me, I got twenty four first round pick grades but there are 32 first round picks <laughs> and and so what you think is a second round pick ends up being a first round pick because it feels a need for a team sure it, it really does um one of the guys to watch is for me is that tight end greg dolchich uh from ucla uh i've got him ranked as the best tight end in this draft um, he was a walk-on, preferred walk-on at UCLA. And a crazy story, we, you know, where I live at, and I still live on the bayou. Everybody thinks I live in New Orleans, but I live a little further south. Uh, my area got bullseye for Hurricane Ida. And um, so we had some communications issues. Well, Coach O finally got through to me just see how I made out and everything. And he, uh, he said, man, we headed, we headed to California, man, play UCLA. 
I said, one thing you better do, you better guard Greg Dolchich. He said, hey, we got him targeted. He ain't gonna, he ain't gonna make a, a lot of catches with us. First half, he caught three passes for like seventy something yards and scored. So they're still trying to cover him. You look at his ability to catch the football cleanly and get separation. I, I'm so impressed with him as a player. And, you know, he's not going to be a great blocker. Well, none of them are today, to be honest. Uh, they get in the way. Uh, they're, they're not doing some, they're just some heavy big, duty block. They're just big wide receivers but, these days, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but he's a guy that really impresses as from my standpoint and, and how good he is. And he has sort of flown a little bit under the radar as far as talent is concerned. And on defense, it would be Lewis Singh from Georgia. You can get caught up in all that, uh, that top uh, talent at Georgia, especially that front seven talent. But watch Lewis Singh play safety. Man, he's a physical, downhill, tough guy that plays the run extremely well. He makes really good uh, open field tackles. He's gotten so much better in the coverage part of the game where he kind of can sense where the ball is. And I've, I've told a number of scouts who sort of double-check uh, SEC players that, man, to me, Lewis seems a guy late in round one I would take a long look at because he can do everything you want a safety to do. Now, again, I get it with Kyle Hamilton. He's a tremendous athlete, and, you know, he'll be a top dozen pick. And Daxton Hill from Michigan, his coverage skills that he can play in the slot will get him picked in the 20s. But Lewis Singh and Jalen Petrie from Baylor, are three and four for me. And those two guys can play. Um, I watched Jalen as a high school player. He was recruited by one of the schools here in Louisiana. He didn't get him. He goes to Baylor. Does a great job for Dave Arand. And Dave gave him a lot of leeway. And uh, Dave told me back in the summer, man, I, I got something special with Jalen Petrie. He's, Mike, he's not the biggest, the fastest, strongest guy, but he is a football player and he has got instincts that you can't teach. And so on defense, it would be Lewis Seen and Jalen Petrie. Now, a lot of people aren't maybe necessarily talking about those two safeties because of Daxton Hill and Kyle Hamilton. But those are two guys that are really, really impressive to me. And this is a meat and potato draft, guys, to be honest with you. It's a big man draft up front along the offensive, defensive lines. And so every draft has its own little uh, kind of mystery tour. Well, it ain't no mystery in this draft. It's it's reality. It's a big man draft of offensive, defensive linemen. And I think you'll see them peel off the board real quickly in the first two rounds. But uh, but I'm intrigued with uh, Greg Dolchich at tight end, Lewis Seen, and Jalen Petrie at safeties. Mike Dettelier, uh, WWLAMFM on Twitter. And then Mike Dettelier, you can look us up if you don't know how to spell that. You can find him tagged on our page to follow him on Twitter. Absolutely. Mike, we appreciate so much you taking some time with us this afternoon. 
Hey, anytime. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to take one final break. And when we come back, the final parting shots before the weekend. So stick around. Main Street Sports Today right after this. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Wall. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan <laughs> McGee. <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. NFL, not the only draft coming up. WNBA draft is April 11th. That's at 6 o'clock on ESPN. And I noticed Monday. That is Monday, in fact. 6 o'clock our time? Yes. Huh. So, 43 all-time WNBA draft picks. 49 Lady Vols have played in the WNBA. 18 first-round draft picks. And three number one, number one overall draft picks. All of those numbers should go up, by, should have gone up by one, mm. including the number one overall pick, because it certainly looks like Ryan Howard is going to be the number one overall pick Monday night. So, yeah. According to the Athletics mock, um, Ryan Howard out of Bradley Central High School in Cleveland, Tennessee. Just down I seventy five from Knoxville is expected to go to the Atlanta Dream with the number one pick overall ahead of um, Nalissa Smith out of Baylor. So certainly unfortunate. Oh well, it is what it is at this good, point. Good uh, for Ryan Howard. Though. Absolutely fantastic for Ryan Howard. I hope that comes through. Um, she's very deserving. I mean, she had a fantastic career at the. University of Kentucky, which <laughs> you have to pass by the University of Tennessee to get to from Cleveland. But mm. nevertheless, I'm not bitter. No, you, not you. Danny Willett falling off, by the way. <laughs> as as uh, bogeyed, it looks like three holes in a row. 
So he's back to one under par. That's that's not great. Uh, but still early. It's it's early. Yeah, he's, he's going to make the cut, right? Most likely. Uh, where, where is Tiger? The last I saw Tiger, Eldrick. and I want to make sure that I get this right. Uh, right now, Scotty Scheffler at four under is the leader in the club, and he is not in the clubhouse. He's through eight right now. Danny Willett at one under, tied for ninth, and Eldrick Tiger Woods is three over for the day sitting at two over overall and tied for 28th along with Roy McIlroy who is finished for the day Justin Thomas at one over for the tournament at tied for 23rd uh, Tiger is, will be hitting off the back nine here momentarily so still got some still got some time to make up some some ground here but that's, that's what it is thank you guys for hanging out with us uh any anything that you got th- th- that you need to get off your chest before the weekend? Nobody. No. We're good. All right, let's uh, come back then Monday, two p.m. right here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. All the Main Street media outlets you can find us, and you can also find our podcast. Just search Main Street Sports Today. You'll get all three: segment one, segment two. You'll get. Uh, all of our special guests by themselves. All of that is available wherever you get your podcast. So come back again Monday. We appreciate it for JP and Mo and I'm Chris. We tell you, Mo. Ladies and gentlemen, the week.